the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as always is editor Trevor Trehan. Hello. Trev, let's kick yes. off. Round nine of the A-League forever will now be known as the round when the, ru- the run came to an end. Uh, yeah. We'll get to that. Um, first game up was Adelaide. Their season lurches towards, can we say club in crisis yet? Uh, certainly season in crisis, hammered at home by uh, the Mariners. Uh, goals from Amini, Abini, Svansvig and Griffiths. Sounds like a lawyer's firm, doesn't it? <laughs> Or an ad agency. Amini, Abini, Svansberg and Griffiths. <laughs> I just picked up the McDonald's account. Um, Trev, talk us through it. I mean, it's... Well, I mean, you know, Central Coast have been going well recently, but I don't feel that they'd really sort of clicked into, you know, fully what they could achieve. And Adelaide were kind of doing similar, so they weren't picking up the wins in the same way the Mariners were. The Mariners just clicked away at Adelaide. I mean, it's a hard place for any team to go. I mean... <clears throat> I don't know how often teams have gone there and won by any sort of large margin, but you know, four nil is a real, real shocker for Adelaide. And um, are they in crisis? I don't know. I mean, a bit of talk about Rini Coolin for a minute. Um, I know we've, the, the, you know, I'm not going to name who it was, but you know, chatting to a former Adelaide player before, and he's the type of manager which can divide players. I don't think he's. You know, like he'll be a university line manager. I think he's, he can be quite hard line at times. And when a few players got cleared out at Adelaide, you felt like he might be doing a similar thing to Ange when Ange got rid of all those, you know, people that have been at the club a while. Um, so you would expect Adelaide to kick on a bit more this season. But to be losing 4 0 at home, um, I know they didn't have Van Dyke and Vidicic is missing as well, but they just looked all over the place. The problems run deeper than that, I think. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, as, as Friday, say eight eight thousand four hundred. When you know, for the last couple of seasons, Adelaide, Adelaide have been one of the best supported, most consistently supported teams in the competition. Yeah, um, that's a concern, you know. So I know that there's polls going on in the paper down there. Should he be sacked? And yeah, uh, but again, as we've always said, you know, at this stage, is is, is someone really going to come in and make that much difference? You know, yeah. if they were to get rid of him, you know, it's his squad. You can't manoeuvre within that you can't let players go you can't bring players in the squad's set you know the salary cap spent um, so yeah testing times for Adelaide and their supporters um, Perth Glory 2-0 uh, winners against the Gold Coast uh, again another coach could be under pressure Miron Blyberg uh, Gold Coast adrift at the bottom on five points now um, they're never really in this were they well that's um, a bit of a uh, that's the most troubling thing for, for the Gold Coast is that it felt like a regulation win for Perth. It yeah. felt like you didn't think anything else was going to happen. This is a Perth team that's not going very well themselves. Um, so you, you're struggling to see where Gold Coast are going to pick up their points this season, you know, especially on the road. Um, but Perth, a vital win for them to sort of <laughs> turn things around for them because, uh, and, you know, like I say, a regulation win. If, if they'd not won this, then I think there would have been, you know, if it had been a draw... Um, there would have been bigger question marks on Fergie than there would have been Miron. Two penalties uh, basically decided it. One from Stajowski and one from Shane Smeltz coming back to haunt his old club, as we said that he probably would. Uh, and again, you know, disappointing crowd there. Six uh, less than six and a half thousand. Um, 
you know, hopefully we, we can see Perth string a few wins together and, and get that going in the right direction. Mm. Um, Newcastle Jets, 3-1 win against Melbourne Victory. The Jets' home form continues to, uh, to really sort of keep them in things and they're, they're about, they're, they're in fourth um, on 13 points uh, level with, with Perth. Um, goals came from uh, Ryan Griffiths, uh, two. Labano Haliti um, and Carlos Hernandez got one open the score and for uh, for Melbourne, but um, didn't I, last. I actually thought victory looked all right. They seemed improved on how I've seen them elsewhere in the season. Um, you'd look on the outside, losing 3-1 to a team that a lot of people <gasps> had tipped to get the wooden spoon isn't great, but I think the Jets are going so well at home that there's no real shame in losing. I, th- I thought Harry arguably had his best game in a, in a victory top, and, and everyone else seemed to be playing you know, a little bit better. So it's not the end of the world that they've lost this one because there are signs that they're they're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, great strike from Carlos to open the scoring. Um, just the way he used the defender, almost like a, a screen, basically, and just curled it around him. Yeah. People with no chance. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's another defeat for victory. Um, they're on 11 points, nine points behind Brisbane. Um, again, another coach sort of under pressure there in the moment, Jurakovic. Oh yeah, certainly, yeah. Um, but I have no idea how much more time he's been given. I'd, I'd, I'd certainly give more time to bed things down, considering how many new players are coming. Yeah. Okay. And there's talk of uh, um, the Jets looking at bringing back Nathan Burns. Okay. Um, as a, you know, as a player to uh, to, to kickstart kick things, so he would certainly be a, a welcome addition back into the A League. Yeah. Um, Melbourne Heart. Uh, Headed up to La Trobe City Stadium, um, top flight football there for the first time in 10 years. Uh, Melbourne Heart took the honours 1 0, the win over Phoenix. Um, Matty Daganzic with the uh, winning goal. And again, Phoenix just don't seem to travel well. No, no, it's a, it's a real frustration. We spoke to Paul Eiffel about it, um, you know, uh, the beginning of the season for the season preview, and he's saying it's really frustrating for the players. They try loads of different things, they try and prepare differently, try and play differently get to locations earlier um, and still they, they can't buck that trend um, there's a feature in the, in the current issue isn't there about um, playing away and why it's so difficult and it's one of those things that they've not really got to the bottom of it's not that obvious I mean there's a little bit of psychology behind it about well, I, I also read something I can't remember where it was I read it but I definitely <laughs> read it I'm not making this up where there was one of the other things that they were talking about, which aside from any travel issues or anything like that, or the crowd, and was that um, players that play at the same stadium take visual cues mm, yeah, for their positioning, yes. that was and interesting. where the ball's coming from, like keepers, strikers. And so that also explains why when teams go to new stadiums, their home form often is significantly worse than when they left. And Thierry Henry apparently said it when, he went, to, when they went to the Emirates. From the, the, yeah. he struggled with because he used to he used to line his runs up and stuff like that with old landmarks yeah. at Highbury and stuff like that, which I always found quite an interesting one. I, I think it's a, a series of tiny little factors, like little things. The crowd, the ref. I think you know, there's stats about how many more decisions he gets. There was even at, at the end of the feature, they're talking about there's like a evolutionary reason that animals protect their home more and stuff and people lift at their own ground and things like that just a load of tiny factors that you have to get by to, to win away from home going deep today <laughs> um, alright let's get on to the game that saw Brisbane's record breaking run end a week after it was set um, 
City FC play their game at uh, Cogra, Jubilee Oval, home of St. George Dragons, um, due to Eminem being at, their, uh, at the SFS. Um, and it proved a, a good move for them. Um, they beat Brisbane Raw 2 0. Uh, up second this is, I mean it was a miserable day I mean I was there it was it was slating rain like horizontal wind and one of the downsides of uh, Cogroval is it's uncovered on three sides <laughs> <laughs> it would have been beautiful had it been like a nice summery yeah. not too much to expect first weekend in December yeah you know sitting on the hill with a blanket you know and a beer in hand no we were cagoules on Rain jackets on. Yeah. Um, but that no, is good. I thought Sydney played well. Um, Brisbane obviously missed uh, Browich, Um And it was interesting to see just how sort of, you know, they still obviously had a fair bit of, pe- of possession, but there wasn't really much penetration. They created a few half chances. But um, I thought Sydney played well, pressed them well. Um, and the wind did have a big effect, particularly in the first half. Sydney used the wind, I think, better. Brisbane continued to try and play out and were struggling to do so. Yeah, I mean, talk about the psychology of football and stuff. I mean, Sydney played out of their skins, you know. They played superbly, but the the desire and the pressure that they were putting on it was like, you know, something I hadn't seen from Sydney, certainly not this season anyway. And that has a lot to do with the fact that not only are you playing quite obviously the best team in the competition and the champions, you're playing them in this record-breaking thing, and you want to be the team that were known to breaking that record. So they... They used that Sydney well. They, they didn't play with fear. They played with a sort of desire to break that record. <coughs> Started brilliantly, you know, to you know, within a minute to be one up, but then within 20 to be two up. And then, you know, it wasn't just a matter of holding on and in the sense that they were clearing off the line and, you know, hoping for things to go their way. They, they genuinely pressed Brisbane in all the right ways. But there's almost a feeling I felt quite... I was pleased Brisbane, I can almost feel... I don't know if they feel the same relieved that it's over now and they can kind of just concentrate on winning the league now that it's not every yeah. game they go into are oh, the unbeaten record and stuff because ultimately the most important thing they do is that they win yeah. the grand final I suppose the danger is is that they uh, it's, there's a bit of an anticlimax now and it's like do they go on a run where they struggle to win again I think if they can bounce back and win the next game then that'll just be like okay normal service resume I mean one thing on the crowd it was listed at 11,500 there's no way there was that few people in there it was, really? it was easily you... 15 or 16. How, how yeah. would that have happened then? The... Well, I don't know. I don't know. And there was a piece in the paper today, I think it was in the Sydney Morning Herald, where it called it on this, and, and the Dirk Melton, the senior CEO, said that they won't be contesting what Jubilee said the crowd was, even though many people that were there thought it was significantly more. Yeah, because, I mean... Um... I mean, pre-sales and the talk yeah. family was going was certainly a, a lot higher than that because I was surprised to see the crowd. Yeah. All right, that's it for uh, part one. That was round nine of the A-League. Quick look at the ladder. Um, Brisbane, still top despite the win. Uh, played nine, 20 points. Only three points now, though. Central Coast Mariners, yeah. You know, 17 points. Uh, Sydney FC, 14 points in third. Newcastle and Perth uh, equal fourth, 13 points. Uh, Newcastle slightly had a better goal difference. Melbourne Hearts, 6th with 12 points. Melbourne Victory, 7th with 11 points. Wellington and Adelaide on 9 points in 8th and 9th. And the Gold Coast rock bottom with 5. It's sort of an interesting middle bracket. I think the, the top 2 and the bottom 3 um, you know, look like they deserve to be there at the moment. Sort of Sydney, Newcastle, Perth and the two Melbourne teams are at a kind of tipping point, aren't they, where their season's going to go. And you know, one of, that, one of those teams are going to miss out on the finals completely. 
Cool. All right, that's it for part one. We'll be back to uh, preview A-League Round 10 uh, later on in the podcast. But for now, we'll take a break and we'll be back with some of the news headlines from our website, au.442.com. The new 442 magazine is out now, and it's a Socceroos special. We interview five leading players about making the next World Cup via their road to Rio. We also have what turned out to be Gary Speed's final interview, an Aboriginal football special with Travis Dodd and Jade North, ask if La Liga is doomed, and Rivaldo answers your questions. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Uh, now let's look at some of the news from what's been another busy week in football. The much-anticipated government report, uh, the Smith Review, uh, was released this week um, to differing reactions from whichever quarter. We'll look at some of that now. Um, Trev, what do you think of this? Yeah, I mean, it was um, there was a couple of aspects in there that we've certainly been talking about talking about for a long while I mean I suppose engagement with grassroots so I think that's become the cliche thing to say when you don't know what to say anything about football just go oh, they haven't engaged with grassroots we've known for a while you know, um, PFA have been talking about the importance of that and it's now something that either, you know, <laughs> needs to happen and we certainly need to stop talking about the fact it needs to happen because I'm not sure if there's anyone that, that wouldn't know that um, cutting the costs at the FFA office <clears throat> They've done a lot of that recently already, haven't they? Yeah. There was a lot of redundancies and, and you know things cut down, and it, it felt like they were slightly overrun before. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that how that pans out. I mean, I know they had quite a few jobs advertised for a while. They had like four. I've been um, football fans down under put it out. There were something like five jobs at the FFA. So I'd imagine they're now not up for grabs. Um, and yeah, well, unless they're lower paid jobs to replace some higher paid executives that have left. Yeah, well, often it'll be the exec, or sometimes it's just middle management people that no one really figured out what they're doing anyway. Yeah. So it, and he know. also highlighted the need for the clubs and owners to be given more input into the decision making processes that affect the league. That sort of started yesterday. There was a meeting yesterday uh, in Melbourne. That would have been um, good to go to. <laughs> with the owners and CEOs with, uh, with the FFA sort of hierarchy. Um, no real sort of feedback yet as to as to how that went, other than a sort of initial, you know, positive discussions. Um, the other thing that it was highlighted was the effect of um, the potential anti-siphoning uh, that are now going to come into play with the Socceroos, and that the fact that that could actually have a negative impact um, because uh, it makes the TV rights a lot less valuable to Fox Sports. Um, and that has a, obviously repercussions for the A League. I mean, let's I mean, let's be honest, yeah. You know, there was a fair bit of sugarcoating in this report. What it basically said was the A League is insolvent. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it, you know salary costs are too high compared with other sports. So there's one way of looking at that. That is either as a when you look at percentages, and I'm sure that, you know we'll talk about the PFA's response to this. Um, percentages of turnover is don't, if you don't believe that the turnover has been maximised. Mm. You know. Yeah. Uh, are, sal- are the salaries? out of control in terms of the real terms of what players have been paid? I don't think they are. Are they high compared with other sports as a percentage of turnover? Yes, they are, but in that turnover is included massively more significant TV deals. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that, it doesn't work a, as a percentage. It's, you know. Yeah, but what it said was that all the clubs are losing money. They don't have a, enough of a say in, in what goes on as to why they're losing that money. The TV deal is potentially um, much less valuable if the Socceroos are kept out of it. Um, the FFA is, is, you know, it, it, 
is too expensive to run as a unit. So whilst you know there was a lot of stuff in there that, that the FFA obviously saying now that, that pretty much exonerated the, the World Cup bid, you know that said it was a credible bid and it was ambitious, strong, and credible. Um, you know there was a lot in there that if you want to put the, the glass half empty to a hat on, there's a lot of cause for concern. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose on the on the TV rights side of things, it's, it's quite an emotional response to think that soccer should be on free to air and it would be great and everyone will watch it. And I, and I get that. But if the problem is cash flow and they need to maximise the TV deal as much as possible, then you'd have to feel if they could get a, a better fiscal deal out of Fox, then they'd continue going down that route. Yeah, uh, and as you say, you know, it talks about the the need to connect with. Um, with grassroots and link to the community more, and as we said, I mean, this is something that you know we've been talking about for, uh, for since since we started, really. Um, so yeah, so there's still a lot of work to do. That work is uh, is in process already. Um, can, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. About often you see about figures in certain areas of how many people are registered to play the game. Yeah. We go 150,000 people or whatever registered. And that's why there should be an A League club because lots of people play football. Does that mean that they'll be interested in watching it? No, and, and this is the thing. I think this is sometimes it creates a rod for our own back because of the player levels. Because I couldn't believe when I moved to, when we launched 442, and I was playing, and I played at a pretty decent sized club, seven, eight hundred players. Mm. You know, my team alone, like over 35s, uh, say 15 blokes. Probably four or five of them had heard of 442. Yeah. You know, a year after we'd launched. Mm. You what? know, like one or two maybe went to the A League. Two or three maybe went to the Socceroos. Mm. Half of them didn't have Foxtel, had no interest in the A League or even the Premier League. Yeah, you know, their their interest in football began and ended with participation. Mm. Well, it's very different, yeah. isn't it? It's a very different thing to do. You could be doing it for fitness or just because you enjoy playing. But it's surprising the amount of people that that play the game. But that's it. That's that's their involvement with football. That's what takes up their time. They're certainly not going to play on a Sunday and be going to watch on on a Saturday. So not that I think we should ignore that demographic of people but I think it's too simplistic just to go oh, there's loads of people playing football there yeah you know, I agree you know they should be watching it as well totally agree well not surprisingly um, given that one of the key sort of pillars of this uh, this uh, report was talking about the fact that they felt that salaries had, had inflated too quickly um, was the PFA were, were quick to um, to respond to that um, saying that you know that they um that they didn't believe that it was correct, you know, and they said that, um, you know, that, that, you know, the CBA and basically that, you know, they, as, as Brendan Schwab said, you know, as the Socceroos take home between 6.8% and 10.12% of the revenue they generate, the overall share of Socceroos and A-League player payments um, of combined FFA and A-League revenues ranges between 21% and 29%. So he's directly challenging the, the 40% figure um, that was... Uh, that was quoted in the in the Smith review. So, um, you know, they had a meeting yesterday as well at the same time with some of their members um, to talk about this. You know, obviously the recommendation from the Smith review is uh, is, is either a freezing or a cutting of the salary cap, um, which obviously Brendan is now questioning the, the the mathematics behind where they've got that from. Therefore, that then uh, makes any talk of of cutting it redundant. So, Trev, where where do you feel? I mean, I. Do you feel that, um, I certainly don't get the feeling that the players are paid too much. I think we've certainly seen uh, where there's been an increase in the salary cap, we've seen an increase in quality on the pitch, which I think is the key thing. No, I mean, 
Definitely not. I mean, they're not getting paid. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of them aren't getting paid great deals of money for what would be a standard job. You know, and a, a lot of them will earn a sort of around an averagey type wage for the for for playing football. So no, I, I don't think so. And, uh, and as the point you'll always fall back on by cutting back on wages, you're only going to pull everything back, including the sort of strength of the competition. Um, Brendan Schwab's an excellent speaker on stuff like this because he knows exactly what he's saying. Um, he knows his argument. And he's always got the stats to sort of back up. The, the only thing I'd sort of ask about, and I know it's true that the Socceroos take home only a very small percentage of the revenue they generate, but I've always got the impression that that's... I mean, perhaps I should, I should ask Brendan before I say this, but well, I'll say it anyway, but um, across... So, you know, so for example, England. I think the England players give their their money to to charity because it's so small and obviously the FA will generate a large large amount of money from the English FA so I get the impression that it's fairly standard for football associations to earn far yeah, far more yeah but then more. I guess you'd also put that against the context of what your average England squad player earns from his club and what your average he's, he's having more top top yeah but, but I'd imagine across the world that, that most people that play for the national team aren't earning a great percentage of what that national team generates so, I mean, even though it, it does balance up with the A-League players a little bit, um, I, I think that's fairly standard practice. OK. Well, I mean, obviously, the, the, it's only just recently been released, and I'm sure that this won't be the last that we've heard of it. But, um, but yeah, we'll keep you posted with ongoing news. Now, Trev, did you hear that David Beckham was Aaron? <laughs> Knocking around a little yeah, bit, Down in Melbourne. <laughs> Low profile. A few sites, a uh, couple of hospitals, schools. I quite uh, like the school visit, you know, if you've seen the video online. Because um, I like the way that he surprises a load of yeah. university students if you've not seen it. But the, the camera angle has it behind him, so you get the feeling of what it would be like to walk into a room and, you know, people just go mental that you've just walked in there and they didn't know you were coming. It was a great feeling and one that will probably never happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for the game, uh, game finished 2 all. It was, uh, you know, penalty shootout just to keep it interesting afterwards, which Galaxy won 4-3. Um, it wasn't the most intense game I've seen. It wasn't the worst, you know. Beckham nearly, uh, very nearly, had one for the scrapbook with a 60-yarder. Yeah. Um, I was actually at the party afterwards, and I was with, mm. I was having a beer with Ante Kovic, and I said, was it in as far as you were concerned? <laughs> he was like, he said, it was in there long enough for me to worry about how it was, how much stick I was going to get. Yeah. I mean, it was, it went wide by about three foot, I reckon. Yes. Which from, you know, when the ball's travelled that far, that means it's millimetres away on his foot from being perfect. Yeah. He didn't even take a touch. It was just instant. Like, so little back lift. And I think, I think a lot of people, you just see him spray a 50-yard ball across the pitch, across 10 players to someone's chest. And you just think, oh, yeah, that's easy. It's natural. Until he, you try and do it. He, he did one sort of pass that he... he sort of shaped in that Beckham way but kept it really sort of low and flat and like it just went straight into like the straight onto the player's chest it was because he makes it look so easy you almost become yeah. blase to it don't you he's, he's just doing it all game but in terms of the game you know I, I watched it at home and look I enjoyed it I, I know there was a little bit of criticism you know coming out about the atmosphere and stuff but it it was a you know an exhibition game during the season I don't really know what people but also, you know, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I saw the negative piece yesterday. Like, it's not just about David Beckham. I know that that sounds weird, but I, I we did the program for it, and I was down there for a couple of days. And it's not just about Beckham. It's about you know, there was an awful lot of meetings going on and people getting involved from a Galaxy corporate level and Melbourne Victory 
you know, and building relationships with the MLS. And, you know, if there's one league in the world that has a number of parallels with us and we're always talking about what we can learn, then, and it's the MLS, you know. So why criticise something that is actually building bridges and building a closer relationship with that? I'd love the MLS champions, not for it not to be, you know. Of course, the LA Galaxy precedent has been because of Beckham. Take Beckham away, it's just LA Galaxy. But why not make it into something where there's a, there's a challenge where our, our champions play their champions every year? Mm. You know, and I just think there was an awful lot going on other than the match that, you know, people don't necessarily see. 35,000 people came out and paid good money to go and see a game of football. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird atmosphere, but a lot of friendlies are, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, what can you, um, to expect any more would, would be strange anyway. I mean, you're right with saying I, I interviewed the Tom Payne, the Galaxy CEO, and I chatted to him, and I, if he'd given me more time, I would have chatted to him all afternoon because... He like, remembered you, by the way. I'd oh, good, yeah. I had a good chat with him. Because the thing is, he, and, and you would know, this is clearly a really switched-on guy, yeah? yes. really, really Absolutely. smart. And like you say, if, if he's spending time with our clubs and, and he can sort of tell us what they've learned about what works, then there's a massive benefit. But also, you know, like that's the, Melbourne Victory got paid to play on, on Tuesday, you know, so they made money. Mm. LA Galaxy made money, you know, and I, I sincerely hope that the tour promoter made money because he deserves to, yeah. you know, because Lou and Tribal Sport continually bring out teams. They seem to be the only people that are willing to do that. Um, and they deserve to make money out of it. So I really don't see what the problem was with it, to be no. honest. No. Um, yeah, so that was it. Um, probably be his last game in a, in a Galaxy jersey, you would think. Paris, Saint-Germain looking like his most likely destination. But, um, you know, talking to a few people uh, at the time from the, from the Galaxy, you know, like, it just seems like it, you know, the league is most certainly in a better state than when he arrived. Galaxy certainly is. And most people seem to think that he's... Uh, yeah, his time there has been a success for for all concerns. So. Mm. so, so Posh Spice is going to get another fashion city after exactly. LA and Milan, Milan and now Paris. It's just got to get New York next. Maybe we'll go back and play <laughs> for Red Bulls, New York, London, Paris, oh Munich. Um, all right, so you know David Beckham himself, uh, as I've said, you know he's played here a few times now, and Landon Donovan said very similar that you know the A League as a as a standard is very comparable, you know, with the MLS. Um, so I guess if we're looking at that as a yardstick on the pitch, that's probably uh, well, that's something we said. That was their first win, and it certainly wasn't, it wasn't a win in regular time. No, exactly, yeah, it's very difficult to tell, you know, based on these games. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's, there's that far apart. What, what did you make of um, Robbie Keane taking the penalties? I know I, well, that says everything about Robbie Keane. I guess <laughs> I thought he would have. I thought he would have given him the second yeah. one. Yeah, because I, I, I thought um, the commentary was saying, "Oh, Beckham's picked up the ball for the second one." Um, you know, because I mean, not only was his sort of last game over here and people come out to see him, but it was probably his last game for the club and they had two penalties, they didn't take either of them. That's <laughs> very strange. Nah, that was, that was a bit weird. Uh, all right, Asian Champions League, basically uh, the draw, which uh, happened this week as well, and the uh, Australia teams, three teams this year, uh, for a bizarre um, turn of events. Adelaide went from potentially having a playoff to being in. Um, <laughs> yeah. to the, not sure whether they'll consider that good news at the moment. Um, but yeah, so Brisbane Raw um, would probably be happy with the draw. They've drawn Beijing uh, Goan, uh, Ulsin Hyundai uh, from Korea, and they'll face Japan's Emperor's Cup winner with the final in January. Um, the Mariners have got a tougher draw. They're going to face soccer with Josh Kennedy's J-League side, Nagoya Grampus, uh, Sasser Ognanovsky's 
Xionglam Ilwa Chunma and China's Tianjin Tedar. Adelaide uh, will face the winners of the of a remaining playoff that's yet to be decided, as well as uh, Gamba Osaka and Budyogkor. Ouch. Both teams that they played on the way to the final. Yeah. Obviously yeah. losing to, to Gamba in the final, but uh, they beat Bujon Kaur in yeah. the semi, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what really sort of shocked them, wasn't when it? When Zico was coach, I think. Exactly, yeah. I, I mean, I ended up becoming a little bit jaded by the Asian Championship because I often felt like we were slinging in like a really off-form A-League team because it was always the champion that was on the way down. But Brisbane going back in, Brisbane and the Central Coast, who... Well, two best teams last season, still our two best sides, and especially the way that Brisbane play, I'm the most interested I've been in the Asian Champions League in a while. I can't wait to see how those two go, and you feel yeah. that they're both good chances of, of the knockouts and beyond. Well, certainly, I think, you know, from a Brisbane perspective, you, you also get the feeling that they want to do well in it. Yeah. I think sometimes it's difficult to get excited about something when the club doesn't appear to be excited about it. Yeah. You know, they don't want to be in it. You know, it's like they don't think they've got a chance to win it. So it's like, it's just a distraction. Whereas I think Brisbane are looking at it going, hang on a minute, you know, I think we've got a good chance in this. So, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I guess, you know, that what's interesting from the Mariners' perspective and, and what's good for them is that because they've drawn opposition that have got Socceroos players in, at least there's a bit of a marketing angle for them to get fans along and there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of an angle and... People are probably becoming a little bit more familiar with the teams by now, and there are Socceroos players playing in yeah. in Asia now. So I think hopefully, as a, as we progress, you know, and, and we're in it, you know, for for a longer period of time, it will start to grab people's attention a bit more. But exactly, yeah. I mean, the Josh Kennedy story is a great one. He's the, he's the best striker in the best league in Asia, and yeah. he's he's you know the, probably the best Socceroos out and out striker at the moment too. So that's good to him to come back. And, and what I'm interested in Brisbane as well. Not, not that I hold a grudge or anything, but I always remember when Adelaide lost that final, um, you know, like a Rebecca Wilson piece saying about how it showed how far behind we were with technical ability because we lost the final. Like uh, she knows. Yeah, about technical, technical ability. ability yeah, someone must have mentioned that in the office. <laughs> but she, you know, the thing is about Brisbane, you know, that you can't you can't say that about them because they'll go and they'll play that style, and if it's successful, then it will justify quite how well the league's coming along. We're talking about. Um, Socceroos or fringe Socceroos in Asia. Uh, Matt German uh, is it's an Aiden story, uh, rumoured to be the target. Of, the old, the um, old question mark at the end of the headline. Yeah, gets you out of everything. <laughs> uh, sources in South Korea. Rangers uh, is the target for uh, a couple of K League clubs who have had initial discussions. FC Seoul and Suwon Blue Wings. Um, he's only 22, and uh, obviously only, only just moved to Brisbane this season from Sydney FC. So. Um, that would be uh, an interesting move for him. And, and is there a ready-made replacement in Matt Spiranovic, who well, looks like has been released by your Red Diamonds? Spiranovic, had, I mean, I felt like we were talking for years about how Spiranovic was going to be. He was the big hope, wasn't he, to come back and, and play you know, for the Socceroos at, at centre-back. And if he comes and plays for Brisbane, then that's a great team to play for. But I always thought that Spiranovic would be someone who'd go on and play perhaps even Premier League football or something. So I'd, I'd like to see him still, you know, persevere but I suppose Spanovich is at the age where he could come back and then go back overseas and yeah, it's, not, still young it's not a problem I mean Melbourne victory you would think would be the obvious uh, he's from Melbourne his sister plays for victory you know be a nice brother and sister yep. good trivia question <laughs> um, Brett Holman AZ Altmar have confirmed that Brett Holman has turned down a new contract offer at the club um, they're currently at the head of the uh, leading the league they're Devisi by three points with a game in hand um, 27 years old, 
you know, we talked about this before. You know, this is probably his big contract. Yep. You know, he's, 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 you wouldn't say he's been, uh, you know, one of the sort of higher earning players or one of the stellar players. And, and now he is a sort of, you know, first choice soccerer. This is his chance to get a three and four year deal at, at good money to set him up. So I, I, I don't think we can, uh, we can hold that against Brett. Which will well, well, be interesting to see is where the offers come from. I, th- I think he'll go to the Premier League. Do you? Yeah. I, th- well, I, th- I think that word is that Premier League teams are already circling him. Word? Word is, yeah. So, um, you know, if, if he's up for that, which I, I can't see any reason why he wouldn't be, then I think he'll go there. All right. That's the word. <laughs> uh, as you talked about, um, just a quick uh, round-up of uh, overseas socceroos. Um Josh Kennedy has ended the season again as the J-League's top scorer, but it wasn't enough to secure the title. Um, 19 goals in the J-League campaign. Great stuff. Nothing shabby about that. Um, Eddie Bosner and Alex Brosk are still uh, putting in full shifts for Shimzu S. Pulse, uh, although they lost 3-1 at home and ended up finishing 10th. Uh, in the second division, Jade North didn't play in the final game of the season. Uh, neither did Mark Milligan in Germany's Bundesliga, Nikita Rukovitsa completed a full 90 minutes for Hertha Berlin. Yep. Held to their third consecutive draw. Matthew Lecky um, returned to first team football in Munchen Gladbach's 1 1 draw. Uh, he made a six minute cameo appearance off the bench. Yeah, so there's a couple of players there that are playing Bundesliga football that haven't featured in a Socceroos squad. Well, Rukovitsa is a, a strange one that he's seems dropped to have out dropped of off the radar yeah. completely. Which, again, given Holger's nationality, yeah, you would think that you know a player playing week in week out in the Bundesliga would be quite high on his sort of you know on his radar. But um, Chris Hurd at Villa played uh, 59 minutes before being replaced by Stylian Petrop in Villa's 1-0 defeat against Man United. S- sniffing around a goal, isn't he, Chris Hurd? Seems to have a few chances. Had a chance on debut. Yeah, he's good. Saves Set and... pieces is always a chance. He's he's, uh, he's not the tallest, but he's, he's bloody good in the air for yeah. a what else? Uh, Reese Williams, Scott McDonald, uh, um, bragging rights over Neil Kilkenny as Middlesbrough took all three points from Bristol. Uh, Millie Elenak returned to Crystal Palace starting eleven. Um, Sellers part for the one-one draw with Derby. Um, Scott Chipperfield uh, played the last six minutes and I believe came on as a sub tonight yep, for the last eight the minutes end, against yeah. uh, in their uh, upset win against Man United. Um, David Carney though. David Carney an unused <laughs> substitute in the Spanish second division Carnes come on mate yeah um, alright that's pretty much it that's the round up uh, oh Adam Federici uh, couldn't prevent Reading from tasting defeat uh, as they suffered a 1-0 loss from Blackpool at Bloomfield Road alright that is it whistle stop tour of the world catch up with some of the Aussies uh, we'll be back in part 3 to review and preview all the goings on in the English Premier League so join us after the break Don't buy a car until you check out BehindTheWheel.com.au. Australia's number one radio motoring brand is now online and available to you 24-7. At BehindTheWheel.com.au, you can check out our huge array of car reviews with great unbiased opinions on the latest new cars. And while you're at BehindTheWheel.com.au, check out the latest auto industry news. It's also a great place to discuss cars and motoring with your feedback always welcome. Head there now, BehindTheWheel.com.au. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. English Premier League now and the weekend that 
certainly until Monday night, saw the top teams have things pretty much their own way. Man United beat Villa 1-0. Man City took care of Norwich 5-1 at home. Uh, Chelsea, comfortable winners away at Newcastle uh, 3-0. Um, and Tottenham 3-0 at home to Bolton and Arsenal 4-0 away at Wigan. The only real surprise of the weekend was uh, was Liverpool defeat at Fulham. Yeah, I mean they went there last season and thrashed Fulham, didn't they? Five. Yeah, two that's the Dunham Schwartz had a had a nightmare towards the end of the season. Yeah, reduced to ten men. Liverpool. Um, Awful decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I didn't think it was a foul. Well, I mean, he cleared the ball, and then the player seemed to almost run into his leg that had cleared the yeah. ball, and then it's. Yeah, yeah some odd decisions at the moment. And obviously there was a Gary Cahill red card as well that's since already been rescinded. Um, Blackburn was probably the, the surprise, 4-2. Yakubu. Yakubu, all four goals at home to Swansea. I see when um, Yakubu scored his, I think it was his first goal, he went over to Steve Keane, to, you know, the under-siege Blackburn coach, and uh, the Blackburn fans booed booed him for doing that just after they'd scored. So that's quite <laughs> how high morale is at Blackburn. <laughs> That's, that's a, uh, an idea of the job he's got on his hands. Uh, Everton uh, lost 1-0 at home to Stoke for Robert Huth goal. Uh, Wolverhampton beat uh, Sunderland, came from behind. 9-0. 9-0, yet to take charge yet, but uh, he, he's got a job on his hands there. Um, to talk about Balotelli's shoulder. <laughs> just shouldered it in, just showing off. I mean, just... Um, ultimate nonchalance isn't it what I love about City whenever you see really good teams smash another team is when you've scored five and you've got five different scorers and you've got one of those teams that anyone could score yeah Aguero Nasri Torre Balotelli Johnson <laughs> that's, um, I mean, that, that's probably 200 million there yeah <laughs> I know, like Norwich I think they're probably their squad would add up to uh, to like less than one of the players but anyway <laughs> All right, that was it for uh, for the games. Uh, the league table, uh, Man City still five points clear of uh, Man United. Um, Tottenham have a game in hand on United, two points behind. Yeah, and Tottenham's run continues. You know, after those first two games, it's now ten wins and a draw. Yeah, since Tottenham have found a way to sort of, you know, win the games they should. I remember last season, like you know, they just dropped. Point. I mean, West Ham, if you were by far the worst team in the league last season took four points off Tottenham and they're getting good at you know this is what it's a lot of the Premier League's about it's taking on teams that you know you should beat but because it's such a tough league it doesn't always happen and, and now they've found a way to beat those sides well obviously uh, the Premier League I mean let's just talk briefly about the results uh, from the last two mornings in the Champions League because that's going to put an interesting additional complexion on the Premier League, yeah, uh, because obviously Manchester United and uh, Manchester City have both failed to reach the knockout stages of the Champions League, which means they now drop into the Europa League, which means that they'll be playing on Thursdays, which means they'll be playing their Premier League games on Sundays. Yeah, it's going to put havoc for the TV schedules. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing. I was thinking, how seriously do you reckon Man U would take the Europa League? I mean, in a way, it's quite an interesting chance to win it because they're so used to. You know, Champions League and the qualification too. You know, I think if if you're going to drop down to it, and considering how big their squad is, well, or does he give does it give him the opportunity to to give players that wouldn't start Champions League games the experience of playing in Europe? Keep them happy, you know, yeah. To keep, give them that exposure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they'll they'll win the competition 
But as Harry Redknapp has said, uh, in his usual uh, eloquent way, that um, he looks forward, he's glad that they both are out because now they can experience what Spurs are experiencing, schlepping all around Europe. Yeah. Because um, he's saying that it's not quite the glamour of flying in and out of Madrid, you know, it's to deep and dark corners of Europe sometimes. Yeah. Uh, where the transport's not great, you arrive back on a Friday night, ready, and then you play on the Sunday. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, does this create a... You know, it, it will create an interesting dynamic in the Premier League because you've got Chelsea and Arsenal that will now be playing 24 hours ahead of those teams. Now, is that an advantage or is it not? Is it an advantage having the chance to play without, you know, or then put the pressure on those teams to win? I think so, yeah. You know, is, think- it, is it going to throw, you know, like you would imagine as well that from a, from a conditioning perspective, it throws all of your schedules out of kilter because you'll have, yeah. you know you will have banked on being playing on the Tuesday and the Wednesday, and then all of a sudden it shifts to Thursday. You got you know and you're playing the games on the Sunday at different kickoff times because Sky will not be letting Man City and Man United and Spurs all kick off simultaneously. No. On a Sunday, if all their travel arrangements, that, yeah. you know, would have been done. No, I, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think it's a massive logistical sort of you know spanner in the works for both of those teams. So it'd be interesting to see how they um, how they deal with it. And also, you know, from a Man City perspective, are they going to be really up for the Europa League? The players? I think English teams are interested in the Europa League final. But they're not interested in any of the games before that. Like, if they can find a way to get to the final, then it might be of interest to them. Teams but, like uh, Stoke, you know, no disrespect to Stoke. At Stoke, Villa even, you know, Newcastle, they're the English teams that would be interested yeah. in the Europa League because we're nowhere near the Champions League. You know, it's the next best thing. But for teams that are, were expecting to go a long way in the Champions League to find themselves in the Europa League in January, I think it's probably the last place they want to be. The, the only way it would be more interesting if the Manchester teams play each other at some point. I suppose the only, the only upside from their perspective is the group stages are gone. You know, yeah. so they're now coming in at you know, sort of knockout stage. So Interesting. I mean, you, uh, it's an old debate, but you know, should teams drop down? Because all that's really happened is two teams right. that don't really want to be in the competition have dropped into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I don't think so. I think once you've gone through the group stages of the Champions League, if you go out, you go out. Yeah. You're out of the Champions League. Mm. I don't think there needs to be a consolation prize. And as I say, I don't they want it. You know? uh, all right, games this weekend. Let's have a look at these. Uh, Saturday um, kicks off Arsenal host Everton. Um, Arsenal is on uh, sportingbet.com.au. Uh, Arsenal dollar fifty three. Draws three dollars eighty. Everton are six dollars fifty. Hmm. No early game. It looks yeah. like from those fixtures, which is a bit of a shame, especially when you live in Australia. Um, yeah, Everton, as we always say, give the give the better sides a, a tough ride, and particularly Arsenal. Actually, um, you would think that despite Arsenal's poor result against Fulham the other week, away to Wigan, they seem to return to that. Good form. I think I saw someone. I saw some part of their form from the last ten games, and it's it's pretty special. Arsenal, especially after the poor start. So I'd expect them to continue that at home to Everton. Okay, Bolton Villa. Um, Bolton not having a great season. Uh, Villa, whilst we're still in ninth, oh, this was the frightening thing, right? Obviously, it's now turning on McLeish big time, you know, as expected. And the scary thing is, is that. After 14 games for Villa, he's, uh, we have won three, drawn seven, lost four. 
After 14 games last season, Birmingham City had won three, drawn seven and lost four. And they were relegated on the final day of the season. Right. Well, th- this is a vital game, isn't it? A bold Massive team game. that are, are dreadful at home. Well, I sorry, have been dreadful at home this season. That they've played seven, lost six of those, conceded nineteen goals at home. So, I mean, um, how's he going to set up though? Because this is a game you've got to go and win. Really, is he going to go and try and draw it? Heskey in a hole. So. <laughs> um, dude, I mean, the, the sad part of the Villa Man United game was Heskey's attempt from twenty yards with his left foot. Did you see it? They went no, out, they went out for a throw in. And Craig Burley, who's the co-commentator, said, actually said, that's one of the worst attempts on goal I've ever seen. <laughs> and all you could hear, the sad part is that all you could hear from the whole end was laughter. Not even booze, just laughter. And Heskey just took that extra few seconds to get back up off the turf. Yeah. It's just, oh, I mean, there is something rotten around that club at the moment. I've just got a horrible, horrible feeling. Tell you. What, what um, do the bookies say? The bookies that would saying, be depressing. The bookies are making us outsiders to go and uh, win at Bolton, which I'd say is about right. $2.45, $2.80 Villa, um, $3.30 the draw. I, I think it would be a draw. I don't think it would be a great yeah. draw. It's a bit no. of a shame about, from your perspective, the Cahill red card a bit receded then, isn't it? Because he's. Yeah. Game of the uh, Liverpool QPR. Um, Liverpool hosting QPR. QPR. Yeah, it's all right. 12, 16 points. You know, you're still never sure which side's going to turn up. They have a good result, followed by a bad result, followed by a draw. Um, Trev, do you think they got a chance to get anything out of Anfield? Joe Barton, Scouser, will be going there. I'm sure will be rolled up. Giving it some. Well, um, Liverpool sort of been very strange at home this season. They're, I mean, they're unbeaten um, alongside City, the only team unbeaten at home. But they've drawn five mm. of their seven games. Um, and if you're serious about making the Champions League, you have to be picking up, you know, a good spread of points at home. Um, you know, they've only scored nine goals. Um, everyone's on Andy Carroll's back because it's, you know, based on current form. Um, he, I mean, he's having a shocker at the moment. I'm not saying he, he won't go on to, to turn that around. But Steve, to believe that between Andy Carroll and Fernando Torres, there's £85 million pounds worth of strikers that are just not figuring yeah. yeah, and it's now no surprise when they when they're on the bench. Yeah, yeah people yeah, stopped right. talking about Fernando Torres being on the bench anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a, a, a fairly incredible turnaround. Um, in turn, I, I think they'll beat QPR at home though. Okay, uh, Sporting Bet. I've got Liverpool a dollar thirty-three, draw four dollars seventy-five, and QPR nine bucks. Man United Wolves. Um, Wolves reserves maybe. <laughs> yeah, see if we do that again. <laughs> Man United are not surprisingly strong, strong favourites. A dollar twenty. Um, the draw six dollars twenty-five. Wolves thirteen bucks. Now, obviously, as we've talked about, Man United and Man City crashing out of the Champions League. Um, will this make Fergie even more determined to stop Man City winning the Premier League? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, given that they've also drawn each other in the, the FA Cup. Cup yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it has to be. I, I don't think he'll pay that much attention to winning Europa League in the terms of playing, you know, the players like Rooney on a regular basis. I, I think that they've got a, a big squad of young players that certainly need games, and they'll be the ones playing in the Europa League. I think um, in terms of this game, then I, I think they'll swap Wolves aside. I know that Wolves are too concerned about beating anyone except their relegation rivals. Okay, uh, Norwich Newcastle. Um, both teams uh, got. 
pretty significant defeats, looking to bounce back. Norwich's home form has been pretty strong, uh, up in 12th on uh, 16 points. Band of teams on 16 points there. Sporting better got it, $2.50 Norwich, $2.75 Newcastle, draw $3.25. Big period this for Newcastle because they've got a lot of big games coming up. They, you know, they're, they're, they're still up there in sixth, uh, but I think they play... They've got, you know, obviously they played Chelsea. They've got two of the other sort of top teams over Christmas period. Um, so I think, you know, they need to bounce back and win this game to, yeah. to sort of, you know, that's from a confidence perspective as well. Well, this is arguably a more interesting test than the Chelsea game was because it's, it won't be easy going away to Norwich. But if they're serious about knocking around Champions League, then then they have to look to win it. Draw, okay. draw though. I'm draw. Guessing. All right. Uh, Stoke, Tottenham. Uh, Stoke three dollars seventy five, draw three dollars thirty. Spurs two bucks. I'm going to go Spurs at this. Yeah. And this would be exactly the kind of fixture that last season I said no. I reckon Stoke will, will, will do Crouchy it. Crouchy come back to to haunt Spurs. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, I'd Daddy Longlegs come back. <laughs> I fancy uh, I fancy Tottenham to continue that form. Um, and yeah, and pick up a win at a Stoke team that um, are pretty, can be pretty unpredictable. Okay. Uh, also, we got um, well, where were we? Swansea, Fulham. Yep. Uh, what do I say about Swansea, Fulham? <laughs> um, I, th- I think Swansea in fifteenth on uh, fourteen points. Fulham just just one point above them on fifteen. I mean, it's very tight that group. You know, from Villa in you know from Villa in ninth on sixteen points, or even Stoke above them in eighth on eighteen. <laughs> Down to Sunderland, there's seven points mm. between you know fringes of a Europa League position and relegation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fulham notoriously don't travel well, and Swansea have, uh, have done well at home. They've only lost once this season, so um, I think Swansea deserves. Yeah, to be I mean, I'd, I'd make Swansea decent, probably with a value bet there. They're two dollars fifty-five. The draws three dollars twenty, and Fulham are two dollars seventy-five. Yeah. West Brom Wigan. West Brom, Wigan, hey. Glamatise, just keep on coming. Yeah. Well, the Hawthorns. Yeah, well, you know, Wigan, rock bottom of the division, just being spanked by Arsenal 4 0. Um, you know, now go away to a West Brom team, even though they lost to Tottenham, so they have, have sort of improved, certainly improved from how they started the season. Um, and I'm, I'm going to struggle to back Wigan at any point this season, including this game, so I'm going to go West Brom. Okay. Rookies agree with you. West Brom dollar sixty-seven, draw three dollars sixty, and Wigan five dollars fifteen. And now, last but certainly not least, this week probably the game of the round: Chelsea entertain Man City. Uh, Chelsea obviously got through to the Champions League knockout stages and allowed uh, AVB to put a metaphorical digit up to the press. Yeah. Luis Suarez put an actual digit up to the Fulham <laughs> fans. He's in hot water again, but. Um, uh, so, is this the day when Man City's unbeaten record goes? Uh, no, I, I, I fancy it to be a draw. Um, I think it, you know, it's it's difficult to choose because even though Chelsea haven't been going great, and um, they're going to be up for this one at home to sort of prove they're they're still in a title title race, even though it really doesn't feel like they are at the moment because they're ten points adrift. Um, but I just feel that that Man City have got the players to grab a goal, so draw. All right, uh, Sporting Bet got it. Uh, Two dollars forty-five. Chelsea the draw three dollars twenty-five. Man City two dollars eighty. I'm going to back Chelsea to win. Okay. Yeah, I think this is it. Torres to score. 
imagine. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think Phyllis Burst is slowly sort of getting to grips with things. I think the players, you know, a brave decision leaving Lampard out of a must-win game in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, the, the only problem for me is that it does seem to be that they're totally reliant on Didier Drogba again. Yeah, you know, we played out of his skin, Having spent they? 50 million on Torres, it just seems like their game revolves around him now. But the, the player for me that is that is now starting to be given that free role and running things is matter. I think he's been class, fantastic. Um, so, you know, I, I think they'll be up for it. I think the crowd will be up for it. I think they'll be confident. Consent's an upset there. Okay. Yeah. All right, that is it for uh, part three. We'll be back in the final part just to preview quickly this weekend's action in the A-League, which is round 10. The new 442 magazine is out now, and it's a Socceroos special. We interview five leading players about making the next World Cup via their road to Rio. We also have what turned out to be Gary Speed's final interview, an Aboriginal football special with Travis Dodd and Jade North, ask if La Liga is doomed, and Rivaldo answers your questions. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are going to preview round 10 of the A-League, which kicks off tomorrow night. Uh, There was supposed to be a game last night, Sydney and Perth, in the community round at Campbelltown, but that ended up being called off due to uh, Perth being unable to travel because bad weather cut the... uh, Close down the airport. They've never travelled well. (laughs) No, exactly. They've just not travelled at all. Um, All right, Brisbane host Melbourne Heart, um, Suncorp Stadium, 7 o'clock kickoff. Yep. Yeah, interesting one. I mean, you know, Hart picking up the results um, against, you know, the the teams that are sort of there or thereabouts in that middle zone. Um, So they look like they're shaping up well to to make the finals, but away to Brisbane might be a little bit too tough, especially a. A slightly wounded Brisbane after losing that record. Um, I, I would think that Ange would be hammering home that message that we have to send, you know, we have to say to the rest of the league that that was a one-off game and we're back to winning ways now. So, and did Sydney give the rest of the league a bit of a blueprint as to if you're going to beat Roy? Do I? You got to work hard for press 90 minutes. You have got to press high, high up the, the pitch, pitch yep. and take whatever chance you get. And, yeah. There's a bit of wind that oh, blows Sydney, in your Sydney, corners. Yeah, Sydney got lucky, not got lucky because there wasn't there wasn't any luck about the goal. But scoring after the first minute certainly gives you that platform and gets everyone to say, right, you know, we, if we can stop them scoring, we've won the game. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas I think when we saw was it the Gold Coast when they pressed them really high to start, but they didn't score. No. They didn't carry that much of an attacking threat. They were just trying to stop them playing. Yeah. And then in the end, Brisbane ran out comfortable winners. And, and the Jets gave them a bit of a scare as well and took the lead and yeah. stuff. And, and you probably need that second goal, which is what Sydney got. So. So I guess you would say if some of the you know Melbourne Heart have got you know a pretty young, pretty mobile team. So they've they've certainly got the capacity to do it. Whether they can be disciplined enough and whether they can take the ch- create enough chances to score. But it's, it'd be fascinating to watch that game. I'm looking forward to it. Brisbane are on Sporting about a dollar fifty three. Melbourne are six dollars fifty, uh, and the draw is three dollars seventy five. Uh, Saturday, Wellington Phoenix versus Perth. Let's hope Perth can uh, can get airborne this time. Otherwise, they're going to struggle to get to Wellington. Um, how do you see this? Like the longest, uh, it, 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 third longest now, second yeah, it keeps longest. Yeah, dropping down. I don't know second where these new third. games are coming from. Yeah, someone got promoted in Russia, which threw oh. it out. So. But anyway, it's an awful long way. Yeah. Um, Perth don't travel very well, if at all. And Wellington are strong at home. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to go Wellington. Um, especially if Paul Eiffel's back and he's getting fitter week by week, um, they'll, they'll be tough at home. And 
Purple's continued to sort of struggle away from home, so I, I would be surprised not to see Wellington win that. Okay, Sporting Better got $2.15 Wellington. Mm. Generous, I'd say. Maybe a Swansea Wellington double this week. <laughs> uh, Perth, $3.25, and the draw, $3.35. Mariners host Newcastle uh, in what's probably the tile around, maybe, I reckon. Yeah. Um, hopefully a few Jets fans will make the trip down the F3, the F3 derby. To don't, blame, don't blame them if they don't, considering how they've been playing away from home, though. <laughs> it's yeah, hardly away from home, though, is it? No. Top skip and a jump. Uh, how do you think this one will go? Uh, Mariners, I think so, yeah. I mean, I know the, the Jets broke that losing um, record away from home when they picked up a point at Adelaide, but um, you only had to look how Central Coast play <laughs> well, Adelaide themselves to realise that um, it'd be hard not to tip the Central Coast there. Sporting better got $1.80. Mariners, $4.25 Newcastle. And $3.50 the draw. It's teasing you there with he's, Newcastle, he's, Yeah, he's teasing. a little teaser. But I, yeah, I'd still think that's hard to back. Yeah. Brave man would go for the Newcastle-Melbourne Hart double. <laughs> Two away wins. 30-1. to one. Um, Victory host Adelaide. Now, you know, Etihad Stadium. Um... Two teams in desperate need of a win. You know, at one stage, you would have probably said, come round 10, this would have been two of the teams, you know, challenging for the title. Yeah. A-League's biggest rivalry? Yeah. Possibly. I mean, certainly up there, um, you know, because of the context of how they've played and the big games they've played against each other. Um, I think Victory would be quite pleased to sort of get home to an Adelaide team that, um, you know, just look very, very disjointed and just not very happy in the way they're playing football and key injuries and what have you. Well, I mean, just to put Adelaide in, in context, even though they're not bottom of the league, they've scored the fewest goals and conceded the most. <laughs> yeah. You know, not great. No, they're not the kind of stats. Yeah. I mean, obviously that was, uh, the that Brisbane. was skewed by the Brisbane game. But, but it's not just the fact that they're conceding goals, it's that they're not scoring them. You know, seven goals in nine games. I just couldn't see that happening with Adelaide this season. I know. You know, it's, they need Van Dyke back and quickly. Well, the, I mean, these two, Victor and Adelaide, the two you looked at at the beginning of the season and thought they've got so much attacking play, they're bound to score, and it's just not been happening. Uh, Sporting Better got it. Victory, $1.85. Adelaide, 4 bucks, And the draw, $3.50. Uh, Gold Coast hosts Sydney FC. Skill Park on the Gold Coast. I'm going to this. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I fly Saturday morning. Um, what? Out the blue? Well, yeah. Well, as I was saying off air, my uh, dropped off the family at the airport. They've got, they've gone back to England for a couple of weeks. So I'm living the bachelor life. What do bachelors do? Go to the Gold Coast on weekends away. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. Tying in an league game. So yeah, looking forward. I'm known, not. I went to like a tourist skill park. I was one of the first people to score a goal at skill park. If I've ever told you that story, when yeah. I did the behind the scenes thing, they put up the goal. I was second actually. Clive Palmer scored the first ever goal for, for some photo shoot, but they let me do the second I ever goal. I remember that photo. It's too bad. And yeah, I mean, you know, I've no sniggers about me looking forward to, to going to Skill Park because I know the crowds haven't been great, but it is a great stadium. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a Sydney team that have just, you know, turned over the raw. So that'll be. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. I think it might be a, a draw, though, in terms of result-wise. Sporting Bay got the draw, $3.35, Sydney, $2.25, and Gold Coast, 3 bucks. Okay. Probably about right. And the um, and then we've got on the 14th, which is uh, when's that next Wednesday, we have um, Wellington uh, play Brisbane Raw in Dunedin. 
as part, I think this is part of their, uh, their tour around uh, New Zealand, which has been, you've well, got to say, like, phenomenally successful. And they played in Christchurch, and I think they played in, uh, more recently in Auckland. Yeah. 20,000 crowds in each of them. So it seems to be a, a, a you know, a, a strategy that's working for them. So it'd be interesting to see uh, how many turn up in Dunedin. That's, Especially that's against next Brisbane Wednesday as against well, Brisbane, you know, yeah. I mean, if, if you live there or around that area, you, you know, you're almost certain to go, you'd think. Um, All yeah. right. Draw, uh, by the way, I'm going to go for Wellington. Draw. Don't have odds on that one yet. That's not up on Sporting Bet yet, but I'm sure it will be uh, shortly, probably after this weekend's games. So that is it for this week's 442 Insider. We will be back next week for our last podcast of the year before we all break up and go and eat lots of turkey. Yep. Um, so we we'll, we can have a little special treat next week. We're going to think about our uh, our awards for the year. A bit of fun, some fun ones, some serious ones. Uh, based on what we've covered over the year in the 442 Insider podcast. Trev, do you want to talk quickly about the magazine on sale yesterday? Yeah. New mag? Socceroos special, um, Road to Rio. So we, we speak to um, five Socceroos, including, you know, Lucas Neal, um, Brett Holman, Brett Emerton, Carl Valeria, Matt Mackay, about the qualification process so far, making the second stage and, and the plan for how we'll, we'll make Brazil 2014. Um, we've got a special on uh, Aboriginal football with Travis Dodd and uh, Jade North talking about that as well. Rivaldo, one-on-one, including what was he thinking when he done that World Cup? Yeah. Faith class, you know, um, dive. Yeah, so that's um, that's out, out now. Oh, and is La Liga doomed? And that, it's a fascinating feature, actually, about um, quite how much trouble La Liga's in because of the, the domination of... Um, Real Madrid and Barcelona and an interesting stat I think when I read it was uh, you know Valencia um, were third but they were closer to relegation than they were winning the title yeah. and it, it's turned into Scotland basically is what the feature is about interesting mm. uh, and also for those of you uh, geeks out there or uh, <laughs> technically proficient people out there I should say uh, for those of you with an iPad we're now on the newsstand so you can subscribe to our iPad edition Um I believe it's $30 for the year um, okay. for all of our whiz-bangs editions on iPad. Um, so get to the uh, get the newsstand app open and find us in there. And also subscribe to the mag for a Christmas present. Yes, free Socceroos flag worth $30 for anyone that subscribes to 442 this Christmas. Perfect gift for the man, boy, girl, woman, football fan who has everything. Anyone, pet. Yeah, Christmas gift that just keeps on giving. Yep. All right, that is it for this week. As I said, back next week for the last uh, 442 Insider of the year. So until then, enjoy your football. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.